Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin! Well, welcome to another episode of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. That's right, we're already on episode 5. I'm calling this episode 5, appropriately, The Cannon Strikes Back. That's right, we're talking all about the Star Wars canon, what it's doing, where it's going, uh, and I'll get to a little bit about what I mean by canon in a minute. Uh... First of all, I want to introduce a little bit of a new segment, just because it's slightly of a slow news week. Uh, what you're reading, the new segment, and that's inspired by some other podcasts I've listened to before. Uh, what Star Wars am I reading, listening to, consuming, uh, sci-fi generally, and of course, I'll ask any guest who comes on uh, if they'd be willing to share that too. Uh so, oddly enough, I, we're talking about canon today, but I'm on a bit of a Legends dip uh, lately. I've I read the the John Jackson Miller's Kenobi novel, uh, and about, I'm about two-thirds now into the Darth Bane Path of Destruction novel. It's the the first in the trilogy, and uh, by uh, Edmonton, Alberta's own Drew Corkishan, by the way. <laughs> um, and, and the Kenobi novel I read in part thinking maybe it was, was going to be a, a announcement of D23, is there going to be a Kenobi movie, because it would be set in a very similar time, and thought that maybe it would be even a canon version of this novel. Uh, it's basically a western, and involves <laughs> a tavern, and, and the posse, and all, all these elements, and then Kenobi comes up, and he has his, well, he conceals his lightsaber, because he's... A Jedi after Order 66, but very fascinating. I think if this movie comes out, whatever it is, maybe taking elements from it or not, taking the tone or not, it could be one of your McGregor's masterpieces, frankly. Um, it's very, be very quiet, meditative film. It wouldn't, it would, the, the book had some, quite some action and some uh, really intriguing discussion of what was going on in the galaxy as a whole after Order 66, but really on a much smaller scale, involving the Huts, of course, and the Tuscans, and all these other groups. So, fascinating book. Um, again, it's Legends, so it can seep into the canon, uh, but uh, certainly they're free to go in a different direction. Darth Bane, Path of Destruction, very fascinating book. Um, another spot in the timeline it's a thousand years before uh the events of of the saga and of the the films and uh any book that has the word darth in the title <laughs> is going to give you some understanding of what the sith are and what their motivations are how they understand the dark side and what's fascinating of course about this novel is it's all about uh them Darth about being upending what had come before, and as we know, I mean, those of you know, there's some aspects that are still going to be kind of still in the canon. In that, we know that he goes into a thousand years of hiding and um, he begins the rule of two and all that, and that that is there that was confirmed in uh, in the Clone Wars episode, the the lost missions um, that are course very much can <laughs> using that word a lot and uh but very fascinating just as an exploration of this back history this prehistory uh 
and to just know where if going forward if they're going to uh, look at the old republic in, in the new canon what kinds of uh, material they can draw from I know the Dr. Afra comic has touched on some things but we don't know because that's an interpretation of the past from the present in ter- at least in terms of uh, the where when Dr. Afra is doing her thing so Darth Bane, Path of Destruction uh, yeah I mean again just like the Darth Plagueis novel even the, the Darth Vader comics go into what, what it's, how the, the Sith understand the Force uh, and what's interesting about uh, about this main novel is they don't really say the Force flowing through them they say the dark side flowing through them and that kind of gets at what I was talking about last week about how uh, at least I view the force, the light side of the force as the true will of the force and the dark side is this Augustinian sort of privation it, it, it's the lack of the, the will of the force it's trying to overcome it that's for another time we're actually this week doing this is going to be our second of uh, second of just purely talking about about Star Wars, we're not going to get into too much biblical parallels here. Um, talking about canon and, and the word canon and the biblical canon, yeah, that's definitely a, a great topic to go into uh, in a biblical parallels episode. But uh, for now, going into what is the canon doing? And and there is some news this week. It was again a bit of a light week. There was D twenty three. I had the uh, the Star Wars land, um, although that news that you can check out. The news that I want to highlight is the Inferno Squad book series coming out, and then uh, it just came out, and that's I'm going to touch on that a, a little bit during the actual discussion here. The new the big news that came out this week that that interests me at least is uh, Kieran Gillen who did an amazing job with the Darth Vader run uh, in 2015, the 25 issue run, um, which was and probably will be my favorite comic book run I've ever read. It's one of the first I've ever read, but you know how those things work. He is actually taking over the ongoing Star Wars run starting in November, and uh, uh, that this is welcome news, and, and you know, Aaron, Jason Aaron, I think his name is, and, and the, the writers and the artists who did, who worked on the Star Wars ongoing run since 25th, January of 2015, that was the first comic book I really committed to. You know, they, they've done they've done a pretty good job. They've done a great job in some ways. Uh, especially in the, the crossovers with the Darth Vader comic have been some of my favorites. But uh, Kieran Gillen with, with Darth Vader really showed us yeah what when what he was trying to do between with with Vader bring him from New Hope to Empire Strikes Back and so here's what a quote from the starwars.com article that mentions this what Gillen's trying to do he, he quoting he says my aim is simple to do what we did with Darth Vader 2015 but for Leia Luke and Han as in chart the rise and fall of the rebellion between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. 
how it changes them all, and how it changes the universe. And that really excites me uh, for a few reasons. First of all, um, well, for main reason is you know the, the, again the the current ongoing run had some great moments in it, but lately I felt, and I posted this on the Star Wars the Full of Seth Facebook group. Lately, I felt it's been kind of rambling. The last uh, maybe half a year, even it's without any kind of clear direction, clear overall vision of what it's doing. Just these discrete stories, and that could work, but it's already been it's coming up on three years now. I mean, 2015, 2016, 2017. It's two and a half years, I should say. And I keep thinking, when are we getting to Hoth? When are we getting to Empire Strikes Back? And uh, you know, it, it, that's the thing is, is it keeps shying away from answering that question. The ongoing comic series, Star Wars, it's called, it's called ongoing. In my comic and brew Instagram series, I just call it ongoing. Uh, it isn't answering this question of where is it going, and in that respect, it isn't really doing. Uh, what we need of the canon of comics and and books and all that to really do, um, and that's a great segue. Hey, what do you know? <laughs> uh, what is that thing that we we want the canon to do? As in, you know, we, we talk when I use the word canon, I'm mostly thinking. I mean, I'm sure I'm thinking primarily about the overall story of what the whole, that whole other this world that's kind of hemorrhaged off of our own because it's this, in the creative vision of George Lucas and then of the story group and all, all the other people working on it um, obviously the films are canon we <laughs> don't need to go into that and the, the, the new content that comes out in between um, and if you're, if you're wondering about even about the, the Legends the Legends thing and, and what it was going on there kind of technically uh, Christian Harloff on Collider has a great video going into okay what happened with, with the Disney purge and why did they do that and what did they do uh, long story short there were just so many different levels of uh, levels of story and levels of authoritative canon if you will uh, that and Disney wanted to simplify it and they wanted to be able to write their own stories in the new canon. And so they said, nope, all the, everything that comes before 2014, that's Legends. And now we're going to say from here on, this is the story. This is the story. This is it. Um, and, and that's fair enough. I, I honestly, personally, if that's the thing, is I didn't really get into what was the expanded universe all that much. I knew... These characters like Thrawn and Mary Jade and all these guys. And, uh, I think I listened. To, I read Truce, Truce of Pakura once, and I read listened to uh, uh, one of the 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 the, the, the audio book, the book that, where Chewbacca gets killed by a planet, and Karloff has a funny moment there about that. <laughs> um, yeah, and so now Chewbacca ain't dead by a planet; he's still alive. We got him in the the fourth, the uh, the last Jedi sizzle reel. We got him camping out near, with the Falcon on Octo, waiting for Luke and Ray to come back. So, uh, I personally, I mean, 
again, I mentioned Plagueis, and I, and I mentioned Darth Bane. Uh, I think we're going to see, probably see Darth Revan come back in. We've seen Thrawn come in to mixed success. I think the novel was fantastic. Um, the Thrawn Rebels, I'm still holding out hope that he really shows us what he can do. But anyway, that's a bit about it, the diversion there. What digression there? I'll, I'll upload the link to the uh, Collider video. It's just a short five-minute Collider crash course video. Let's get back to the main discussion. What what is this thing that we want uh, the the books and the comics and even the TV shows and all that to do for us, uh, primarily at least? So I think it's primarily about uh, filling out the story of bridging the films in between the films and to a large part throughout the saga um, it's about fleshing out how do we get from point A to point B point A being the prequels to point B being the original trilogy to point C being now the sequel trilogy the expanded universe it was really about how did we get to point A of the, the prequel trilogy, or even before the prequel trilogy, where it was a thing. Uh, what happened in between the films, and in between the original trilogy films, and what happened after. Um, so with the new canon, something has changed a little bit in that we have these definite spaces that Lucasfilm is concentrating on. Certainly they're not going to talk about anything that happens. I mean, we don't know anything that happens at all after... Uh, Ray reaches her arm out with, with the lightsaber. We have no idea what's happened after that moment. Where we will know the only the first time we'll know anything is on December sixteenth <laughs> when the last Jedi comes out and the opening crawl and yeah you know, there will be an opening crawl. Um, why at least why do I care about filling it out? I, I'm a bit of a canon junkie <laughs> and I think a lot of us are nowadays, those of us who really wanting to follow the story and, and there's something about one friend once said I had a completist personality and uh, that's why oh, I need to be caught up with I mean, I'm, if there are any comic book comics I'm reading it's entirely just all the Star Wars other than even the movie adaptations I don't, I mean the movie adaptations have the, the Force Awakens and Rogue One they have thrown in some things uh, that are different, and even the novelizations. But I still, uh, I just want to mine new stories and mine new things. And yeah, there is something to be to go back and, and meditate on it and, and reinterpret, or not reinterpret, but but receive the interpretation of those films that the adaptations get to. Uh, but there's even even called uh, the dopamine rush. Of new information. It's why, why a lot of us like history too. I think is the actual the real world history where go back and and see. Oh, this is what happened. This is fascinating. I mean, about political history and church history and uh, you know military history to some degree. And uh, I mean, I'm even gonna go see Dunkirk, which I'm not too sure I would normally see it, but maybe because Christopher Nolan is directing it, and so. Um, He's going to put that kind of 
otherworldly spin, like we're mining new information. There's also the satisfaction of a coherent story, and that's what's so important. That's say why people were so upset with the Star Trek Enterprise for the first bit, is they completely trashed the what had come before continuity. Um, people maybe were upset by the prequel trilogy because they felt like it trashed the continuity. It's frankly why I love the prequel trilogy in large part, at least in part of it, not a large part, but you know, part of it is because it it gave us this new, uh, this whole new part of of what happened. It really, I mean, it really showed us how we got from point A of this glorious republic to point B of this, this tyrannical empire. It really did. And <laughs> what happened to the Jedi? And what happened to this character named Anakin Skywalker? And how he became this menacing evil of Darth Vader and only to be redeemed by, by Luke at the end. Um, and so, you know, there's seriously, there's still, there's clearly a very clear market for it. Clearly people care. Um, and so what have they done? And how have they, how has the novels and the books, novels and like the comics and, and Rebels and even I'd say Rogue One, the standalone films, uh, I would say are part of anything outside the saga. How have they, how has Lucasfilm fleshed out this story? Well, I think the main thing is they've, be, they've built pillars. Uh, there are these just like a literal bridge because it's about bridging these gaps between the sagas and among the films these literal just like a literal bridge has pillars into the water and into the land and whatnot they've built these key points where uh, things that i where where the story turns where we have a clear understanding of how we got from one point to another uh, you know, for example, there's a small scale pillar, I'd say a little small scale, but maybe not, frankly, uh, I think it was, it's pretty significant, um, that, that Kieran Gillen actually shows us in the, in issue six of, of the Vader comic, uh, where, you know, we see Vader finding out who destroyed the Death Star. <laughs> we see, I mean, it's my, it's one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars. This is in Darth Vader number six, and we see him flashing back to, well, so what happens, I'll spoil it for you, skip ahead a little bit, a few minutes, if you if you want to actually go back and read it, but Boba Fett comes to him, he's been investigating who destroyed the Death Star, this is the first Death Star, and Boba Fett comes to him and says, and Vader says, do you have a name, and all Fett needs to say is, yeah, Skywalker, and it cuts to Vader having these flashbacks to that moment where he runs into Padme in the Senate building and Revenge of the Sith and she says, I have a son. We, we have, we're having a, I'm pregnant. And uh, coming back to Vader current day and coming back and uh, you know, just the, the look on Padme's face and what's going to happen. And, uh, Vader, Anakin, even Anakin Skywalker understanding, oh, he's still alive. He gave birth. He didn't kill Padme before she could give birth. The Emperor has been lying to him all this time. And, and so there's this one, that's a wonderful hinge moment where, first of all, we see this glimmer of 
Anakin returning. And secondly, it's the the beginning of of Vader, the Sith apprentice, saying, "I'm going to destroy the the Master. He has not taught me anything. I mean, he's taught me some things. He's not taught me anything of value. I'm going to just go for it." Uh, you know, and and both, you know, continuing the rule of two, how the apprentice kills the Master, but also, as I've talked in my second episode. Uh, you know, Anakin destroying the Sith and bringing balance to the Force. And there, maybe another pillar, a larger pillar, is the Battle of Jakku that we've gone into in so many different uh, books. In uh, even the first Battlefront hint that showed us a little bit of it. Lost Stars goes into it. It's, the biggest part it goes into is Zen Empire's End. Um, you know, because you know, what happened between uh, between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, and how uh, I'll get into that a little bit. How it really is this literal point of departure <laughs> for the Imperial remnant, and what happened, how the Empire finally falls. Um, Bloodline, the events in Bloodline, you can see again the the growing First Order and. The political aspect of, of you know, in the New Republic Senate, where the First Order comes from. And, and so, that, that's a good pillar there. I'd say Rogue One is, frankly, a pillar, or it's kind of a, that landing ramp onto the original trilogy. Um, but it's also a pillar in that it shows the Rebellion coming together. And... We see things in you know in Rebels and even moments in Clone Wars where we see you know, the Onderon arc and the uh, arc with Cham Syndulla where the burgeoning rebellion, um, you know the moments in Clone Wars like when uh, when the clones discover the chips that execute Order sixty six or the Mortis arc or other these saga defining moments in this animated TV show. Um, set between two of the films, frankly, that that trigger the whole rest of the saga, at least through the rise of the Empire. Um, and, you know, these are saga-defining moments, and these things about these pillars. Even in, in Clone Wars and Rebels and throughout the canon, you know, they're not, again, not on par with the movies. The movies are not just the pillars, they're the, the ground that we stand on where we are and situate us but they are uh, they do provide a real payoff for those of us who really want to know again how we got from point A to point B in the films they uh, you know for those of us who follow all these stories they say oh this again this point of coherent satisfaction giving us this new information the thing is they don't actually tell us the whole story either they don't give us this rush through. Like, we could just read the Wikipedia page. I mean, if you want to, go ahead and, and you know, if you're maybe more casual fan or uh, if there's some things you just don't want to read, yeah, go ahead and read the Wikipedia page. But uh, on the on these different things, sometimes I recommend, if someone has a hard time, for example, with the first Aftermath trilogy, um, you know, for the first book in the Aftermath trilogy, Read the Wikipedia page, because the the book itself isn't that well written. 
But Empire's End, for example, and I mentioned the Battle of Jakku, it really goes into what happened there. That's a really, that book is a really definite pillar. If you want to know, and I won't spoil it for you, if you want to know what happened with, you know, what happened after Return of the Jedi and how we got to the First Order, read Empire's End <laughs> because it'll definitely show you and it'll tease it out and it'll bring it out. Um, you know, this is the thing is that, you know, and, and it, it really shows how there's this point of departure for the Imperial Remnant. Um, it is this ultimately satisfying story of of the end of the Empire and the consolidation of the New Republic. But in showing us the Battle of Jakku, you know, literally, the, the Remnant, they go off. And here's the thing, is these pillars then leave room for other stories to be told. More information, more of this, more information, more things to mine. So, for example, uh, you know, the Battle of Jakku, and well, first the Battle of Endor, we see in the Battlefront 2 trailer, uh, from the point of view of Iden Versio. And uh, so, the whole point of this pillar of the Battle of Jakku, it's then we can flesh out what happens with, with Iden and with uh, Inferno Squad, and um. In you know, the book that just came out the other day about where she was in, in, on Jeddah and before, and all these things tying together contribute to this really satisfying story that really do enrich our understanding of the saga as a whole. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where that's at least one overall aspect of, of what. The canon is doing it's it's fleshing out in between uh, you know in between the films how we get from point a to point b for those completest personalities like us where we <laughs> really want to know what happened and, and i think that's what the eu the expanded universe traded on and i think that's where the audience comes from now um even the thrawn novel gives us a hint of how you know it, you know, it's set before, it's set, um, yeah, it's set before A New Hope, slightly, and then, but really, this is another thing it's doing, is, you know, the canon is doing a little bit, it's saying things that, uh, happened before A New Hope, like with Thrawn, and like, like with, uh, Rebels, like with, with Inferno Squad, and they're, they're looking ahead, they're saying, oh yeah, I, you know, Hayden <laughs> Versio and her Inferno Squad, they're going to be part of the remnant that goes out to the First Order. So they're looking at and bridging the sagas, bridging the, the sequel saga, sequel trilogy. Now here's another thing, though, that uh, I think the canon, in my favorite era of, of what the canon is doing, and the favorite time period, again, as a prequelist, <laughs> what excites me the most are the things that link the prequel trilogy to the original trilogy era and to the rest of the saga and i think frankly that was a lot of what rogue one was all about uh, we see uh, a younger mon mothma and we see bell organa uh, being you know the, that wonderful moment when they discuss contact the obi-wan and they mention the emperor's purge right i mean seeing bell organa being the leader of the rebellion itself at the beginning and, 
that goes into it a little bit in the Ahsoka novel, by the way. Um, you know, when Cassian Andor almost offhandedly states he's been in this fight since he was six years old. Well, how is that possible? Um, when, what was happening when he would have been six years old? Well, it was the Clone Wars. And, and, and specifically, so what I mean here is, uh, what I mean by bridging the prequel trilogy to the original trilogy, what does the Clone Wars, how does the Clone Wars have this effect on the saga? And we know more broadly, yes, the rise of Palpatine. Uh, but also the fact that it was also the rise of the rebellion, the fact that, you know, so Cassian Andrew's family, we know from the novels and from the, the Rogue One novelization, his family were separatists. And what's fascinating there is for them, the, the empire is just the true face of what the Republic always was, was this opulent core centric, uh, power consolidating machine that ignored the needs in those of, of those in the mid rim and outer rim. And, um, no wonder there was, you know, the, the Count Duke was able to, uh, build up all this support for secessionist movement. And in the, the eyes of a lot of separatists, that just continued on with uh, with the rebellion. And um be interesting to see how many separatist groups ended up joining the, rebe- the rebel cause. It could be a lot. You know, <laughs> you know Cassian and his family. Um, another example of the Clone Wars and, and the prequels bridging with the original trilogy, we see the role of Geonosis in building the Death Star. Uh, you know, it's hinted at the prequel trilogy, but I mean, the Catalyst novel by James Lucino, that's explored wonderfully. And Catalyst itself, the novel begins during the Clone Wars and brings us up to the, uh, that, that cold open scene in Rogue One. Or the prelude in Rogue One, where Jin is a six-year-old kid. I don't know how old she is, but uh, you know the so you know Catalyst itself <laughs> is this one big bridge. Um, and the role of the Geonosians in building the Death Star, in uh, you know first of all in building it as a separatist weapon, and then the Republic actually taking it over in as a as a means of ending the Clone Wars. Sounds. I mean, brings out the Hiroshima uh, angle to it. But then, of course, the Empire taking it over and having the means to actually build it. Um, There's even a smaller, this deep cut to, I think, deep cut to Legends even, but this this very small detail moment in uh, James Lucino's earlier novel, Tarkin. And it's one of the first I read of the new canon. It's, It's pretty good. You know, it's... I can't. I don't remember too much, but it, you know, it's a pretty good novel, and uh, be interesting to see how it fits with. Uh, it'd be interesting to read it again after reading Catalyst and seeing Rogue One. Um, it's about Tarkin and his relationship to the Death Star. But in it, there's this one interesting moment where Darth Vader has his own uh, ETA two Sith starfighter. <laughs> I'm a bit of a a ship's nerd too, and. The thing is, the ETA two. That's the same knob model that the Jedi flew in the Jedi, the Jedi interceptor in Revenge of the Sith. It's the exact same model. Now, the only reason I know that is because uh, I noticed that details because one day before I was all that interested in 
uh, you know, too interested in, in Star Wars and as, as interested as I am in Star Wars and Darth Vader and canon and all that stuff and the chosen one is I was in Toys R Us one day at, at a mall and I thought, oh, this is cool shit. I'm going to pick it up and snag it. Kind of a gift to my future self. <laughs> uh, so so thanks, future Thanks, past self, for uh, buying that shit because it's now one of my favorite toys because you know, it, it, it's, it's this symbol of the continuity of the saga. And I really hope we do get to see that shit, frankly, in, in the Vader comic. Uh, the the new 2017 Vader comic that is set just after Revenge of the Sith. Um, and they have him flying this kind of, this really sleek shuttle type thing that already looks closer to his later interceptor, but uh, has some nods to his, uh, to, to Darth Maul's Sith interceptor from before. But I, I really hope they don't retcon out the ETA 2. I don't hope they, I hope they retcon nothing. <laughs> Frankly, they, I really hope we see it, um, you know, that, and I, I mentioned that detail about the ship, and, and you know, you see, we're going to see in the Vader comic, uh, was a variant of Darth Vader with clone troops and in the mask with clone troops. And why does all the, why does this specific bridge between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy excite me? And I'll conclude with this: Why does this bridge excite me the most? Well, first. Uh, because, I mean, we've had this... The first reason is because we've had this gap between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy with us for a while. It is the original, if you will, the original gap between trilogies. Um, we've had it, you know, since... I mean, new, uh, for the Phantom Menace, sorry. <laughs> blanking there a little bit. Phantom Menace came out in 1999. Uh, so we've had some kind of thing of the... The, that gap, that initial gap between the prequels and the original trilogy, the most we had mention of the Clone Wars since 1977, when Obi Wan, I'm going to call him Obi Wan, old Ben, sits down with Luke and says, "I fought with your father in the Clone Wars," pretty close to the beginning of New Hope, and since then we said, "What are these Clone Wars? Who is this Anakin Skywalker? Who is Darth? How did this happen? What are these Clone? Wars? I mean, we've had." that gap with us, you know, and again, and more concretely, we've had it since 2005. Um, and so that's already been 12 years or yeah, 12 years to, to sit with this. We've only had the gap between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy since it was announced in 2012. That's, you know, that's about five years, but, uh, you know, it, the, the whole, but again, it's not compared to the 40 years of, since 1977 where we've had, that gap of these characters. And so it, we've sat with it. We've had to wonder and fill. We've been longing for being filled. Again, the Expanded Universe looked into that. Expanded Universe did other things. It went into the deep origin, uh, the, the deep prehistory. Um, but you know, that's the this, it's this era that's been the most interesting to me. Um... Second, and the second reason why it excites me, it's kind of my sinister prequelist agenda. Dun, dun, dun. Um, well, the reason I think, I, I call them originalists, and some of you may be originalists, and that's fair enough. Uh, if you are, as in people who don't like the prequels, 
you know, the, that whole thing. <laughs> uh, and, and maybe some of you have good reasons. I'm, I'm not knocking that much of it. But one of the things I, re- I think originalists reacted so strongly against the prequel trilogy was because of how different it was. Um, the look, the feel, the sheen. You know, we're in Coruscant. We're dealing with shiny politics when we we're going away from this rugged, gritty conflict of, of the rebellion against the Empire with this old used equipment that doesn't work all that great all the time and uh, this ragtag bunch of heroes that we can really connect to. Uh, the, the foreign nature of it. I think people were, uh, of the prequel trilogy was part of part of the part of the difficulty um even the the style of, of filmmaking to some degree uh you know it just didn't connect in the same way that connected with with people growing up i think um what i find that the bridge even stylistically uh using having seen vader with clone troopers and uh showing us the story of what happens in between the rise of the rebellion from even before the Clone Wars ended, with with the Andron arc and with uh, and with politics, here we go. Padme and Mon Mothma and Bail Organa starting to ferment some serious, more serious institutional challenge to Palpatine's rule. And by institutional, I mean uh, they're starting to think we can't actually change this from within. We actually have to separate and go break away and then challenge it even through armed conflict and that's a whole <laughs> kettle of fish there with the pacifist angle but um see i find that i wonder if this bridge and showing us this part of the story it eases that difference it eases that foreign sense that the prequels are just this other thing no it's you know, part of the same story and it draw potentially drawing people into appreciating the prequels anew as part of it um and so for example i think you know even harloff himself uncle Edward, and all those originalists there they're starting to say well at least the story was good in the prequels and the politics were interesting and uh, in fact fact force awakens people are saying could use more politics and what's going on with Hoskin Prime there. Um, read, read Bloodline. That'll give you some... That's a good pillar for what's going on there. But, um, you know, the people are, are becoming much clearer about how... Are more clearly understanding how the prequel trilogy, instead of just dismissing and knocking it, they understand, that, oh, it was what, you know, the, it's partly really about the fall of the Jedi and the rise of Palpatine about the destiny of Anakin and 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 as Darth Vader and as Anakin bringing balance to the Force. You know, that's disputed. Just even the very debate over what balance to the Force and Chosen One and how that question lingers throughout the original trilogy. Um, you know, people are able to be more excited about that if they can actually see and feel that this is one connected story. Um, people can actually grasp, and, and frankly, part of what I get excited about has how, just again, the dopamine rush maybe, but uh, just conflating these images saying, oh, but that does fit 
it fits well in this universe. And it just, it continues to tell us this is a large, varied universe, but it is a coherent story. And I'll close with this. Unifying the story can unify the fandom. It reminds us that we have this common story here. And a common love that we can celebrate. Like we said, the Force binds us and brings us together. Connects with our midichlorians, but binds us and <laughs> holds us together. Um, and isn't that what bridges are all about? You know, we can go to conventions and chat about this, same, this common thing we love. And yeah, there are differences of opinion. Yeah, there are very strong feelings... You, one way or the other, but can't we just marvel at how coherent the story actually is? So this has been episode five of For Christ's Sake Anakin, the Canon Strikes Back. <laughs> you can follow me at on Twitter at NEUG four eighty five and on Instagram at MNEUG eleven thirty eight. Thanks for listening, and may the force be with you always.